things up a little bit every year. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic Live Edition on Facebook and YouTube. I'm Mike Morse with Kevin Dietz. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? Good, good. I'm excited about our guest today. You know, I've been thinking uh, a lot about our guest today. Uh, we have Rick Mahorn on today, and he's one of, of course, Detroit Pistons bad boys who celebrated a world, world championship here in 1989. He's on the radio as a, as a current analyst for the Pistons, and he's been the head coach of the Shock. And I, you know, I was thinking about what to ask him, but man, so much of my childhood was was watching him and right. going to the Silver Dome and going to the Palace and, and watching and, and being so excited and, and remember crying when they would lose games and missing that type of excitement in sports. It feels like here in Detroit, it's been a long time since I have felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, Rick Mohar got the job done for the Pistons and for, for the fans. So anyway, I, you know, one of my, one of my idols growing up and I'm excited. So let's, let's bring him on. There he is. Welcome to the show, Rick Mahorn. Hello. Mike, I can't hear you, but I can hear Kevin all day, every day. All right. Well, Ryan, you. can you fix that? <laughs> all right. Well, so you might, on, Matt. Here we go. You might, you might have to relate. Sound check. Problems with going live, I guess. Yeah, it's fun. I got you, <laughs> Mike. All right. Hear you now. All right. I'll drop it out. You guys have fun. Ryan? That's on Ryan. <laughs> That's on Ryan. It ain't on I me. I can hear That's me. I can't hear you guys. Oh. I can hear you. Awesome. Good We're job, Ryan. Help me. <laughs> All right. Here we Modern go. Technology so, is so much fun. I, I love technology. Michael, can you hear me? Yes. Rick, can you hear me? Yes. All right. Kevin, you got me. Yep. You got All it. right. Let's drop off and then here we go. Mike, can you hear Kevin? Nope. You can't hear me? All right, here we Nothing go. Can't hear me either, huh? Sound check, Kevin? Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Kevin D. One, one, two, three, Rick Mahorn. I can't hear Rick. All right, here we go. Sound check, Rick. One, two, three, Rick Mahorn here. Now I hear Rick. I hear hello, Kevin. Hello, hello. hello. All right, let's All try right. this again. Here we go. Do you have to say all those? That, do you have to say all those nice things about Rick again, Mike? Because he didn't hear the intro. <laughs> well, lucky I could read. Lucky I could read lips. <laughs> I would listen. I was just saying. I grew up watching you. I remember the '80s were some of the best sports in Detroit. You entertained us. You were such a huge part of of my twenties in, in in getting to that 1989 uh, World Championship. Um, Thank you for that. And I miss you and I miss the bad boys and I miss having a great sports team here in Detroit. Well, I miss it too. You know, we, I was, it's a pleasure to make sure that we entertain you. That was what it was all about, making sure that we came to work just like any other person in Detroit who works hard at what they do in their craft. We wanted just to represent that. We did it in the NBA. Uh, they did, you know, winning three championships here is to me is still not enough because you want to make sure that you win a lot. That is a fun time for not only your, your fans, but fun time for the players. And they really enjoy just having that winning chip on their shoulder. 
I mean, I, 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 you know, I've only been from Detroit. I haven't experienced other teams, but the joy and the fun that you brought, you guys also during that time looked like you were having a freaking riot. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey M- Michael, do you enjoy what you do? I love it. Kevin, do you enjoy what you absolutely, do? Absolutely. And I enjoyed every damn minute I was on that damn basketball court because it was something that it, it, it kept me moving. It was very, it was fun. And, you know, beating people, not only just physically and, and mentally, but just winning the games. That was the fun about, to me, we took it, uh, uh, we took it personal. If we lost, we, we all were mad. But when we won, we were all joyful, but we all wanted to get better. And that's what it was all about, making sure that we could represent not only Detroit, but the state of Michigan, because everybody else outside here, it didn't matter. They didn't like us in L.A. They didn't like us in Chicago. They ain't like us in Boston or anywhere else. But our fans loved us, and we represented Detroit. Yeah, I don't know if there was a fan base that loved you. I mean, that could love a team more than uh, during that time in the in the mid to late 80s. It was it was everything, everywhere. I had dozens of T-shirts and hats, and I would beg my parents to let me go to the games when I was younger. Um, and I remember being with my dad in the stands, I believe it was at the Silverdome, just sobbing one night after you guys lost. Well, you know what? It, it was it's sad. You, you know, you want your team to win every time. We lost that first championship. And, you know, Isaiah was hurt. I was hurt. Uh, the last call, you know, to me is all, always going to be bogus. But, you know, we came back the next year. And you know what? We The, the way the city uh, just embraced us, not only just us, but the Tigers when they won back in the day, when they also, the, the, the Red Wings, when they won back in the day. But let me tell you this. If the Lions ever win a dog on championship, they will own the whole state of Michigan, even the UP. It is that how that's the desperation when you look at the Lions, but then you look at the Pistons. We did it in 04. So I'm going to tell you something. It was just thoroughly uh, enjoyable. And that's why I'm still here in Detroit. We've been watching a lot of old basketball because there's no current games going on right now with the COVID-19. So I was watching uh, the Lakers-Pistons game one last night. Uh, and uh, But when I go back and I watch the 30 for 30 on the bad boys or I watch the, the championship games, it looks like a different game. I mean, you guys are going to work. You guys, like, have your job. You know what you're supposed to do, and you do it. And I just – when I watch today – I don't know. It just looks different to me. It doesn't look as as much work. Uh, it's more finesse and, and different things. I don't know. Has it changed? Oh, it's changed a lot. They changed the rules after we won a couple of championships. <laughs> it was no more the physicality. I mean, if, if if Mike had to represent half the players in the NBA, we'd have been sued all the way out the yin-yang. Oh, he hit me with an elbow and eye. Oh, he did this. He broke my tooth, my leg broke or whatever. But it was more like we – it was like the physicality. And I lost a dear friend of mine yesterday, Wes Unsell, who was my mentor, who was one of the guys that taught me how to be a professional. The physicality is not there no more. It's more where, you know, it's free flowing. And, you know, understand, understandably, this is what you, you see outside. You see in a pickup game, everybody don't want to go to the paint. They want to shoot threes. But, I mean, it's all good. It, it all depends. Not every team can shoot threes like the Golden State Warriors and be right. good. You know, you have to see, evaluate your personnel. That's one thing that I've learned in my life as a coach, as a player. You evaluate what you got. 
how are you going to go to war with that and try to win the game? The then you come up with a plan. So that's what, when I look at the game now, it, it, you may see 150 points. And I'm sitting there going like, that ain't basketball, but this is basketball today. You guys were just uh, you, you. You decide that someone wasn't going to score in a game, and then you would absolutely just shut down the paint. Anytime, uh, say Jordan was going to come to the middle, you guys were going to knock him on his butt. And I, it's just you go back and watch; it's so much fun. And you guys must have just had a, an enormous amount of fun and trust in each other that you were going to have each other's backs to be able to do that. It's almost like how, uh, during hockey fights where every you got the protectors and the enforcers and all this stuff. It was it was a different game it was a different game but we're all accountable you know that's what you know made us uh, a great team because we were accountable for each other so if someone missed their job or their assignment in that particular game we were able to have constructive criticism and say you know what we can't have that no more one more then we have to go to somebody else so it was a total commitment and sacrifice and you know in life you have to sacrifice some things to get the, the better good in order to make sure that you are one of those players that can be able to be a great teammate, but also a person that you can rely on day in and day out in those trenches. You know, it was interesting when you said, when Kevin uh, talk, talked about the back of the day, he didn't use, he, he forgot to use the word care. Like I'm watching today's basketball. I go and I don't see it's it, like you said, Kevin, it's a completely different game. It, the, these guys did, you did get the sense that they cared so much that they were going to leave that floor and, 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 and vomit and cry and, and be depressed if they didn't win the game. Now, I, I, and I don't know these players now. We knew these guys. It felt like we knew these guys, right? You guys were, were friends. I don't know how else to describe it and why that was. I don't know if it was the personalities that we saw, you, your personality, Bill Lambeer's personality, Isaiah's, Dumar's. The microwave. I, I don't know if we, we the, they had the, everybody had a personality. Rodman. Rodman. Now, now, I don't, what's so funny? I don't see the personality. No, Rodman, no, Rodman, Rodman had some personality, all right. They all well, did. he had personality after he left here. Right. It did right. what he, he was, see, you, you know, Michael, you, when you're looking at the game of basketball and, and you're looking at technology, and everybody with social media, but not only social media, here's the thing. When we played in high school, we had district, now school of choice. You know, we this is where you build up the, the animosity of the, the Michigan and Michigan State. Those are the two things. Now you got a rivalry. Well, now you, can, you have a free choice to go whatever high school you want to, whatever school, as long as your parents can drive you there or whatever. We used to stay in our district. So... Moving forward, AAU came, and all of a sudden, you see these guys six times. You, every weekend, you're seeing the same guys, and you go, well, you know, is it going to be any animosity? Do you want to beat them? So then it's the modern – with the social media, everybody's boys, and these are, that's my friend. I remember playing with Charles Barkley, and I remember when I left here in Detroit, you know, we, you know when I went to Philadelphia, I was playing with Charles, and I said, Charles, we're playing Chicago. You're going to have to put Michael on his ass. And and I'll tell you something. He said, no, that's my friend. And I had to go like, are you kidding me? I got friends all in Detroit, but I'm going to go at their head because I want to win. It's a game for 48 minutes. We ain't friends. I ain't even, I don't even, if I hit you on the floor and I hit you in the face, whatever happens after that game, 
then we're friends if if you want to be. But, you know, most of the people on the business teams, they're all friends. And it was a time when Isaiah was swinging at me when I was with Philadelphia. So I was like, you know, for 48 minutes, I don't like him anyway. But, you know, after that, it's all love. So we found out in the last dance that Michael Jordan doesn't care too much for Isaiah Thomas. Uh, who are who are some of the people you guys didn't care too much for? Um, you know, you guys went at it with Boston, Indiana, Cleveland. Mine was everybody that didn't have one of Pistons uniform. And if I was with the, with another team, I didn't like the other teams. I didn't matter. Only thing that to me. We needed to beat the Magic Johnsons. We needed to beat the Larry Birds. Those guys were forces in the NBA. Before Jordan, we had to deal with the Dr. J's and, and also the Patrick Ewans. All of a sudden, you know, this is Michael Jordan thing that they come all across with. It's 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 fun. It's good TV, especially in this pandemic that we're in. You got to have some outlets. So we're watching the 30 for 30s like you did, Kevin. So. These things got to be outlets, but, you know, we as Americans, we miss our sports, and sports used to be that outlet that nobody, you know, that everybody did want to see. But it was a lot of people in the league that I just didn't like because they played on another team. And I still, you know, till this day, I love them because we're part of a, a foundation. We're all basketball players. And do you know, both of you, both of you guys, do you know in the NBA, I threw this at Isaiah, how many NBA players have played in this league since the inception of the league? And he was like, well, you know, maybe about 20, 40,000. And I'm sitting there going, no, because a lot of guys are repetitious. I played 19 years, so you got to add me 19 times. Right. And then you got to add. So, so it's, it's like we're a small group. We may be 10,000. Maybe 10,000 of, of us have played this game. So we're all brothers to a degree, but some people can't forgive each other. Some people still hate Lambeer. Do I hate him? Love him to death, but I still hate him. <laughs> you still talk to the guys from, from, from back in the day? Oh, yes. We got a little chat, you know, now with this technology we have. We have a group chat, and you go like, oh, I'm 60-plus I'm years old. I got a group chat? I can hit all of y'all at one time? and tell you all I don't like y'all or who's my best friend. I don't like none of y'all, but it's nothing but love because we did something that was really huge. And I think that bond right there makes us laugh, makes us cry and, and, and always put in what if. And that's what you love about playing with guys on your team. What do you think about the money in the game today? I don't remember exactly what it was when you guys were around, but do you think it's changing it a little? These super teams are coming together. Uh, my kid, I, I can ask my kid, hey, who's going to win this year? I said, well, let's see who teams up together. Let's see uh, what players decide they're going to play together and go win a championship. I'm like, that's not how it's done. You're supposed to be doing this in the in the war room, trying to find the right piece that fits. Well, it, it, to me, that it becomes comical. The money is totally different, of course, because you the expansion – and uh, these uh, contracts by, you know, the um, television contracts, it's a lot of money. And the fact of the matter is that when you see when you see guys grouped together, it was before it was organic. But it was also guys back in the day that wouldn't play on another team, like the Birds, the Magic, the, even the Kobe, even uh, uh, Tim Duncan, even like Carl Malone was shocking to me because you leave Utah losing two times to in the championship but then you want to go get a championship and run to L.A. Then you lose to us, the Pistons, in 04. So it's like don't go chase something that can organically come if if, if all the cards are right. There's a lot of guys that I look in this league and say, man, 
did he get a championship just because he jumped ship? Or did he get a championship because he stayed there and dealt with the highs to the ebb and flows of basketball, you know, uh, mental, where you all of a sudden come together and like, damn, we can be good. Before before we do these podcasts, Kevin sends me lots of stuff to read and watch, and I really appreciate it. And one of the articles that I thought was fascinating from back in the late 80s was these graphs that showed how many technical fouls you guys had. <laughs> and that there was some commentary that that corresponded to winning. I've never thought of this. I remember back in the day that you guys would get a lot of technical fouls, but you, back then we, weren't, we didn't have social media. We weren't tracking it. We didn't have, I didn't see any of these graphs. My question to you is, you know, was this something conscious? Did you guys think the more, <clears throat> the more bad we were, the more we would throw elbows, the more we would, you know, get technical fouls, the more we were winning? Was this something you would talk about in the locker room, talk about out of the locker room? No. I mean, when you look at it, Mike, you got to go. Uh, some guys had quick tempers. I probably had one of the quickest tempers. But what would that do to my team? Would it, it would it uh, go against me as far as trying to play with uh, uh, certain officials? Are they going to let me get away with stuff? You learn how to take a technical at the right time. That's where coaching comes in. And I tell you, Chuck Daly was a master. He knew when things weren't going our way, he had to do something for us. So now all of us were in this trench. And all of a sudden, we okay, it's your turn to take a tech. It wasn't anything to be malicious or physical, or we were planning that. Some days it was like, oh, I'm about to take, the, you know, this, especially in the playoffs, you playing this team seven times, you want to knock the crap out of them. So when you, you talk about Chuck Daly, man, that, that guy was, he was something else, man. <laughs> what, a, what a dress. Daddy <laughs> Rich. Daddy <laughs> Rich, man. Daddy Rich. Uh, what, where would you, where, I mean, where would you rank him with the coaches? They've been talking a lot about the coaches. Uh, you know, lately, uh, I mean, he, he had to be right up there at the top. Well, you know, it all depends on what's your preference. Chuck Daly's here and it will always be here in my life. It's, it's only a few coaches as far as he try to compare. Well, are they comparing championships or are they comparing the way the workability of a coach? I think, uh, you know, when you look at it, is it Phil Jackson? Because he had the best players. Is it uh, uh, Steve Curry had the best play? We didn't have the best players. When you can do more with less, that's when you know you're coaching. So it's not like when I see a team, oh, okay, if you, if, if Phil Jackson would have won one with, without uh, Michael Jordan, then I'd be going like, okay, Phil's got it going on. He knows what to do. But when I look at the, you know, like you said, you talk to your kids and you go, oh, these two guys are playing together. To me, I like the organic part of it. It's just the fact that if you can win without somebody, that shows you as a coach of putting people in the right place. The uh, I saw um, it was part of that last dance again, but uh, Phil Jackson let uh, Dennis Rodman go off to Vegas in the middle of the season. I just can't see Chuck Daly saying, all right, Dennis, why don't you go cool off in, uh, in Vegas for a few days? Uh, <laughs> no, because then right then and there, we as the team of, of the players – we'd have been kicking his ass because you don't need a break. What you need a break for? We all need a break because it's, it's, we ride or die together. You know, when you find a lot of the individuality in this league, you go, man, this dude, you know, how would they expect to win if he's, you know, walking to the own beat of his drum? 
that's not that's i mean in your business and mike's business if you if these people don't do the right things in order for everybody to be successful just because mike is the owner he still has to abide by a certain rule it's like he can get away with some but when you look at it isaiah was just as de dedicated on the team as finish dimbo those are the things when you find your leaders showing the way and players grasping at them going like if i can't get away with that stuff i mean come on if, if dennis rodman and back then dennis rodman wasn't going to do no crazy stuff like that <laughs> he was sure fun to watch so we're starting to get some questions in from our Facebook and, and YouTube followers. And one of the obvious questions, and I think, you know, is, is do you think Michael Jordan is the GOAT? No. And, that, <laughs> and it's not that I'm hating on Michael Jordan, and I do my own radio show on Sirius, Sirius XM, and I also work for the Pistons as well on their radio. My thing is, I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, so many people, Will Chamberlain, uh, it's, it, you keep going down the line, you go, okay, Michael Jordan's up there. As Is he a GOAT? I mean, if you're looking at championships, or I'm looking at Bill Russell. He's got 10 of them. And, or, you know, I'm looking at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's got five. And plus, he scored over 30,000 points. Michael Jordan ain't do that. But it's just the fact that people have a preference. Nobody that, make, that rates these know these guys from back in the day. You like the big men, huh? <laughs> it's not that I like the see Wes Unsell to me was a, a big man, but he was only six six playing against guys like uh, Willis Reed, uh, even you know Chamberlain. These he was playing against you know uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but yet he was able to dominate and be the Rookie of the Year in the MVP in the same year. That is so crazy. It's only two guys in this league that have done it, and that was Will Chamberlain and also Wes Unsell. That's like the big man was back back then. That's where you had to bring the ball to. The next question uh, is, you know, your thoughts on the Pistons now without Drummond, how they're how they're going to fare when we get back to playing. I think Ed and them have a uh, they have a great plan because they know they had to with Dwayne Case. You have to tear it down a little bit, and it's like we you've been tearing it down for years and years, and now it's something where you can have a fresh start. And when you're when you're in the NBA, you want to build that kind of foundation. You want to have yeah, Drummond leading rebounder. He will be missed, but you got to look at it. It's the financial side. Also, it's the the now. You got to have a foot in the now and a foot in the future, where you got to see where you got to make sure you get good draft picks or you pick up good, you know good free agents. Those are all good when you can do that and make sure to just come back with a foundation. Because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't working. We were just we'll go to playoffs and lose four games and four games straight. Go to play, lose four games straight. It's no kind of like okay, let's build on what we did last year, and it just never really happened. So now I see that you can get if if everything comes to fruition, guys can get back on the court and showcase what they can do. Yeah, they, you know, when you were playing, you could you could almost watch from year to year it coming. You were climbing up the mountain, and then you'd, you'd get you'd peak, and you'd, you'd get your championships, and then you'd start to decline down. You could see that. I don't see that as much with the teams today. I don't know why that is. Um, it, it's not the steady build and, and growth that that um, we saw when you were playing. Um, do, do you sense that, or, or is that just it's called it's free agency? And the thing is, who can get the next big fish? You see LeBron going from Cleveland to Miami where, you know, it's freedom of movement, which you love because now you can see who can play with who 
You know, they try to team up, make their big three. Maybe I can get Anthony Davis here to L.A. if I go to L.A. And if I can get this person, you want to win, but you also want to be smart trying to keep guys together in order to be at this plateau for a long time. Not a one-hit wonder where you go, okay, well, uh, we, we won it. And like Toronto, I see the way the Toronto Raptors are doing it. Even though they don't have Kawhi Leonard and uh, also Danny Green, they're still one of the top teams in the NBA. That's what you want to build. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it, I hope the Pistons can get there. Is it different for you trying to call the games on the radio than play the games, or do you get <laughs> – You know, and I don't get frustrated because I, I, I don't win. I'm not the, I don't win or I don't lose. My job is to, you know, help the fan understand what's going on in the game. I want to win every damn time they get on the court because I, I bleed red, white, and blue. I am a Piston, a true blue Piston, because this is something that is a foundation for me. And hopefully that the other players that like the that are going to be back in this next season or the season before the season's over, uh, got to make sure that they come in with the purpose of I'm, I'm working for a job. And I think with the players that they got, I love the way Derrick Rose, you know, comes to the game and, and the way that he prepares and Christian Wood, I mean, Langston Galloway, all of a sudden it's a, it's a different kind of change a little bit because now everybody's being accountable. I don't know how often people ask you about your time with the WNBA, but I, I just always wondered. I, 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 my sister's played. Uh, my sister's a Hall of Famer at the University of Michigan. Uh, uh, my we have a lot of my daughter. I played. see who got. I see who got the talent. Yeah, not me. Not me. <laughs> but but I just wanted to do, do, do when you were coaching. Did did you take some of that toughness and physicality to the game? Is it already there? What's that? What's that? What's that like? Well, I'll tell you, uh, coaching uh, the WNBA was a great experience, especially with Bill Lambeer, and to win a couple of championships uh, with him, with the with the Detroit Shock. I, my experience, I never looked at the players as anything but players. I didn't ever look at the gender, but we needed the right players to play in the right system. So we acquired different people, you know, over the years. Bill was very shrewd in getting people to be, you know, that can be accountable. We, we, you know, and he drafted well, like having a Cheryl Ford, also a Swing Cash, and then acquiring a Ruth Riley, uh, guys, the, the people that can build foundations. I love that. And the fact of the matter, they took the mantra of what Bill and our persona was of being very physical. We weren't as talented as every other team. We weren't going to shoot a lot of threes. But we had people like uh, Deanna Nolan, a local from Flint, that would, that could play basketball, very talented. And then you throw in some, you know, a couple of trades and we win again. It's, it's, is it the system or is it getting the right people to commit? And that's what you got to have, guys, that are, uh, people that are committed to winning championships. This um, there's this kid, Mike. I don't know if you've heard of Amani Bates or not, but he's just uh, I think he's a sophomore. He's gonna be a junior out of Ypsilanti. This kid's unbelievable. He's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and uh, he's he's the youngest person kid ever to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was 15, maybe 16. Uh, Michael Jordan was on the cover as a youngster. Um, this kid is the real deal. I just wonder, Rick. I don't know if you've seen him play in person or not, but I just wonder what kind of advice you have for someone like Imani Bates, who's supposed to be the next biggest thing since whatever, LeBron, Michael Jordan, whoever you want to name. Will Chamberlain. Yeah, my my thing is with, with him. I've seen, you know, a few of my friends that went to a couple of games, 
they seen him. James Edwards was standing next to the guy, to the young man, and the dude was looking at him eye to eye. And I was like, boy, he looked like when I was looking at Chris Weber back when he was just coming out of out of eighth grade, going in the country day. So these that young man, I keep my circle very small, making sure that I come to work every day and stay humble. That's 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 going to be his biggest thing is staying humble because when you don't stay humble, the game doesn't treat you the way you want it to be treated. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be really, really interesting to watch with that. Yeah, because you, you find so many people looking at you as a dollar sign. And if you know, you hear all the hype and all this hype, but you ain't did nothing yet. How many people we know that got the hype, but they did crap once they got out of wherever they were stay humble when in his mind he's got to stay humble he's got to do just what the last person on the bench would do it's not like you're getting catered differently like lebron that's why when i see lebron james i'm like my heart kind of flutters it's like a it's a basketball jones i I mean but i love the way that he progressed as a basketball player and also he took his friends with him to make them even better in, in in life and in community that's where you want to see Amani Bates do some things to that nature. Do you uh, follow the Big Baller brand? <laughs> no, I watch that crap. Big <laughs> Baller. I ain't watching that mess. <laughs> uh, no, nah, but it, it, to, to, to watch, yeah, that's uh, to me the 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 big. My son's making all this noise, and he don't know I'm doing an interview. <laughs> I've had that garage. Hey, man, but it's, uh, you know, the big baller brand, it's got something where, you know, this young man, father sees a, a particular opportunity for him to try to create something, which is all good, but make sure that they do something first. Yeah. So I'm, we're getting some, I, I've gotten a couple of questions, you know, it's, been a tough week been a been a real tough week and people want your take and and what how are you feeling and what are you thinking and how are we going to get through this let me say this to the people out there that are listening i worry every day you know um i grew up in the late 60s i was around when the first rise started you know back where i grew up in hartford connecticut and I kept asking my mother at that time, why are they treating these people, you know, people like this and not these people, but why are they treating people, especially black folks like this, African-Americans? And I'm sitting there going like, and she couldn't explain why, but you know, it was just the fact that, you know, as, as a black man in America, is it different rules? Yes, it is different rules. And it's the fact that the matter we want to, everybody wants to be on the same playing field. It's not where we're subject to be, you know, um, uh, you know, already prejudged and and saying, well, you know, I got to put extra handcuffs on him because he's a big black man or, you know, if it's a big white guy, do the same thing. But my thing is with uh, the brutality that now all of a sudden you can see because of social media, we see this now. We don't see this like back in the day. We had to read it in the newspaper, but it was not ever going to be in a newspaper of why. So now we see why, and I do. I, I don't agree with the the looting part of it, or the peaceful protest. Yes, but you know, people out there they're really upset and they're really mad, and it's you know sometimes they do take the wrong frustrations out. But for me, you know, I look at my sons, I look at my daughters, I, I look at my family, 
And just because I'm Rick Mahorn, the basketball player, I'm still a black man in America. And I still have to represent what, what everybody else is representing as well. I'm not sure if this is an obvious question or not, but you know, what do you tell your kids? I mean, I, 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 my kids are asking questions and, and, you know, being a black man with, with your kids, how, what, what advice do you give them? How do you keep them safe? How do you keep them positive? Well, you know, when, uh, when, when, uh, Obama won the presidency, I was crying. I said to them, I said, uh, I never thought, <coughs> excuse me, in my lifetime that I would see, you know, a person of color in the white house. And I go like, wow, emotionally, and I'm starting to get emotional a little bit on that. But I tell my sons that be compliant because you want to live to be for another day. I remember just even when I first got in the NBA, I drove a car back where I went home to Connecticut. It was in an area, you know, where it was, you know, a couple of uh, projects. And I was with a friend of mine who owned a liquor store. <laughs> Excuse me. And he, um, a police officer came over there and says, whose car is this? And looking at me and I'm sitting there going like, it's my car officer, you know, and did I do something? And he was being very antagonistic. And I said, you know, this is my car. Here's my license. Here's my registration. And then he's going to say, well, you parked uh, too far away from the curb. I said, really? This is what you only pulled me over because I had a Mercedes and I'm in the hood. And just because I got a Mercedes, I'm in the hood. Am I selling drugs? Don't stereotype me. You know, treat me as a human being. And I wish I treat people like human beings. And I don't, this, I mean, you treat them if, if they even talk. Uh, people try to talk reckless. I tell my sons, well, you ain't got to listen to them. You just go ahead and, you know, say yes, whatever, and be compliant because I want to see you the next day. Yeah, you know, it's just this. This I, I started uh, in the media back uh, 25 years ago. Uh, the Mel Screen case was going on. And uh, now uh, George Floyd case is still going on. And in between all these cases going on, and after every big case comes up, we're going to all get together and talk and fix these problems, and we don't fix anything. And I can see why people are so mad. They're like, no, we need to see real action. We need to see real progress. We need to see things get fixed. What are we actually doing to make the changes that are necessary? And it, it's, I don't think it, it's getting done. Diversity is always good for anything or any business. You have to be, you have to see what is the masses. You have to see, well, you know, Detroit is uh, basically 79% as a black community. And so you have to have some type of diversity within people of uh, being that are able to be, you know, supporters of what we're all, what, you know, the lives of people are all about. So now, instead of, I, I live in the community, I'm looking, you know, don't look at me as, how did I get my money? Look at me as a person that worked hard to get where I live. Not necessarily prejudge me of what, you know, looking at me and, and don't know my book yet. You only know the cover, but you don't know what's in the book. I, I look at diversity as a big change for a lot of things where people can be able to voice their opinion. I mean, I look at, I look at different things and I go like, Okay, where's somebody of color that can relate to me? I cannot relate to a lot of things, which is, uh, um, you know, only can relate to what I did. I grew up from welfare. And you got to look at it now, Mike, and you also, uh, um, Kevin, you got to look at it now. 
we've been in this quarantine for 60 plus days. And you got to figure people are like at wit's end. It's like, okay, you ain't got no food coming in. We don't know. A lot of people don't know how to wake up hungry. A lot of people say, I'm frustrated. I need to do something. I need to work. I'm about to get evicted. It goes down the line. It's, this is just a domino effect. And it's still a fluid situation. Yeah, that's tough. It's go ahead. No, it's just interesting. I, it's 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 just, it's such a big problem, and I, I hope that people do have conversations and and actually have, have have more than conversations, but but real solutions. Like I I look at the police departments, and I love police, and I think police uh, for the most part are great, um, but I don't know how much. Uh, on the front end, they're doing to determine if people are racist or not as they're coming in. I don't. They don't pay a lot. The jobs don't pay a lot. You work holidays. I don't know if you're getting the best candidates or if you can. I know that. Um, I look around the communities, and and we're not doing a good job uh, where the police represent the community. So there's there's not as many African American officers as there are African Americans in the community. And if there's not African Americans in the police department, then you're not being diverse and you're not learning from each other and you're not growing. And and so it's like, but come on, I, I can't be smarter than, got, than these people. See, what are we doing? No, I got, I have, a, you know, I have a lot of friends who are police officers, FBI agents, you know, secret service guys, and they talk all the time. And, you know, the, when I talk to my, uh, friends, they, they say, well, you know what? In basketball and sports, you just get a physical and everything's okay. And the same, what they do with the police department is they make you have to pass a physical every year. But unbeknownst to them, they don't do a psyche valve. And now the NBA is already have psychologists working with each individual team. So they want to make sure that players are mentally together in order for them to, you know, be productive in the NBA. Plus, you're protecting your brand if you're in the NBA or even in football. Like, you know, you always want to make sure that you know where this guy is coming from because you don't want a knucklehead. You don't want a Hernandez to come and say, well, you know, this this is going to happen. So to me, it needs to be more of the diversity, but also more of understanding what's the mentality. Even though, you know, you look at it as a job, they don't pay a lot. Or, you know, or, you know, I'm just doing this for 20 years. What are you taking this game? What are you doing this? I'm just looking for retirement. I just want to live. These these are things you have to look at to me as far as diversity and making sure that everybody is all on the same page. Well, hopefully we'll see some real change from this. I mean, there's definitely a lot of talk. There's people are laying out their actions, what they're going to be doing differently. All we can do is, you know, hope and act. And, you know, we have some announcements we're going to be making soon to to make some changes and put our money where our mouth is and you know we are we are we are hearing and i think the rioting and 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 or the peaceful protests hopefully that's what you know i advocate for peaceful protests too but but fifth night of it i mean i think people are are starting to really take notice and that's a good thing yeah and that's the thing when you can come and have an orderly protest but i'm i'm with you kevin where 25 years ago, you ain't do nothing about it then. What are you waiting for it to, to quash? You know, you're waiting for this not to be, you know, a, a thing anymore. You know, you just want the, the corona, uh, the coronavirus to be the focal point on the news. But yet now all of a sudden everything, the focal point is that, you know, the George Floyd stuff is very, very prominent. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, you go, okay, now it's COVID. Let's go on. Right. But the thing is, 25 years, even, you know, I tell my kids, 
make sure that you do something. If it's voting, then do it. If it's making sure that you're going to be in a peaceful protest, then do it. I, I encourage that because I want you to be individuals because I don't have that much time here on this earth, but I'm going to make sure that I've got the right people that's looking for for them to see what else is going on and make it better for them. You know, you brought up an interesting point, Rick. For three months straight, the only news story was about COVID. And then overnight, the only news story is about George Floyd and, and the protest. And quite frankly, it probably should be uh, that. Um, and and that's that's what they're covering. And I, I wake up in the mornings and I look and I hope that Detroit is safe. And I hope that no police officers and no people were hurt. And I hope there was no looting and no fires. And I think James Craig, who we had on our podcast a couple of days ago, I think he's doing a decent job. What, what are your opinions on him? You know, when I see uh, Chief uh, Craig, I think, you know, he's doing a, a great job because diversity is key, especially being in Detroit. He's going to make sure that people are, you know, the, the police officers are accountable. And that's what you want. You just want to make sure that they're accountable for their actions, but also protecting and serving. I don't want to see no human human being suffer because when, you know, I don't look at black or white because if I need blood, I don't care where it comes from, from the green man that's got the same kind of blood type. I, that's what I need if that's for my body because they, if they judging you by the color of your blood, everybody's got the same. Yeah, he, he is a good man. He, he was telling us about the diversity and he's actually had to fire a couple African-American officers recently. Oh, look at that pretty doggy. What's your dog's Ooh. name? His name is Chance, and he's, he's he's loving me because he's hanging out with my son right now. <laughs> Leave him in the shot. We don't care. So on a later note, my our uh, engineer, Ryan Jones, has a T-shirt that I actually think I had the same T-shirt back from 89, and he wanted to ask you a question about it. Ryan, you want to come on the show and show it to let me you. see this t-shirt yeah, and so here let me let me set myself up into one shot the question i've got is what, what kind of memories does this conjure hmm i know i'm over there on the side kneeling down that's what it, the memories of that shirt it, it was all well because we won a championship and i was part of something big and then later on i look at that and that was left unprotected i'm in minnesota this sucks, <laughs> but I went into my treasure chest the other day, and I swear I pulled out so much memorabilia. I'm looking at the Central Division champions, bad boys in black, and, and, and my, even saw my uh, the Raiders jersey shirt that they gave me. I can't fit it now, but, you know, back then, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. So I, that, the memories of winning the championship here are great because, you know what, I'm still Detroit, and I ain't going nowhere. Yeah, you know, Rick, you're, you weren't born or raised here. What made you pick Detroit? You could have lived anywhere. What made you just decide to come here and uh, raise your family? The hell if I know. But you want to know something? <laughs> the weather. I, I, it's the weather. I love it. It's the weather. I love it. I, I, I got a lot of friends that moved, you know, they're in Atlanta, Miami, they're in Dallas. I said, I can't live there. I can live in where people love me. I like being in Detroit. I you tell me to go. If it was another place that I wanted to, if I did want to live, it would have been San Diego because I like weather like it is today, like 75 yeah. and breezy <laughs> and, and sunny. But give me Detroit all day, every day. I love Detroit. That's awesome. I love it. On that note, thank you for coming on to our show. Um, 
big fans of yours and we appreciate you sticking around Detroit. We appreciate your radio show and all the things you do for Detroit and being a booster for us. And I'm thrilled to meet you. Although I think we met once at a Piston game. I remember I, I was lucky enough to get good seats. You turned around, you gave me a nice big hug and a, and a handshake and said hello. You know, I, I respect people that do things like you, you, you back to school push. I love, you know, things like that where I don't advertise, but I, I love what you do to make sure that this community understands not only what you do for a living, but it's what you give back. And, and Kevin, you know me for a while. It's like, you know, when you can give back, that just shows that you know you're 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 passionate of what you do, and that's why you get the respect, Mike. Wow, that means a lot coming from you, and you know we we love giving plus back. I might, plus, plus, I might need you in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. But if you do, Rick, you got my number. I'm here for you. I got and all you. the Pistons and all the fans. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk again soon. Thank you again for coming. Thanks a lot, Rick. Please. Thank you again. Appreciate you. You got it. Okay. Take care. Well, that was fun. What a great guy. Just, just fantastic. Yeah, that was really, really fun. Uh, the memories of, of watching him just floods back. And what I was going to say, and I didn't say, when he gave me that hug, boy, he's a big boy. Oh, oh my gosh. Woo! His shoulders are broad, and I remember it. You know, it's one of those, you know, one of those one-tap hug things. But he was—he is all muscle, and um, what a good, good. Yeah, they say he was the baddest of the bad boys because you could not—you uh, could not get in his area. He protected his area on the floor, and you were not going to score anywhere around Rick Mahorn. That's for sure. He's a really great basketball player, really fun guy. I love that he loves Detroit and decided to raise his kids here. It's great. Yeah, me too. Me too. All good things. Um, thanks for setting it up. And another another pretty calm night last night in Detroit to follow up on the James Craig conversation we had. And uh, hopefully we're, you know, going to stay stay safe and the protesters protest peacefully and and, and all's good, hopefully. Yeah, I, the, the city's doing everything they can to keep the peace. The the citizens, I think, are doing their best to keep it from getting out of hand. They're just they want to be heard and they should be heard. And uh, and uh, I, I think we're I think so far so good. We're doing all right. Let's just keep 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 calm. All right, Kevin, and we're going to have some big announcements coming from my firm in the next couple of days. Some initiatives we have going on, some money we're going to give, some challenges we're going to do. Um about money and TV advertising and fun stuff to bring awareness, support some good organizations and try to bring some change because I have young kids. They're asking me about it every day. They want to give back. They want to talk about it. And so do I. So this feels like really good timing to do it. And I'm excited, hopefully excited, optimistic, cautiously optimistic about the future. So until next time, thank you all for watching Open Mic. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and send us questions and give us some ideas on who you'd like to see on Open Mic. And we appreciate you watching and listening. So thank you, everybody, and have a great day. You never know who you're going to see. Be one guy one-on-one -on -one my whole career. What you're going to hear. We got a lot of desperate people in the city. On my podcast, Open Mic. Find it where you find your podcasts.